Well, hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to another episode of Real Life. I'm Lisa, and today we are going to be talking about when someone talks too much. We've all been there in a social setting where one person just keeps talking and talking. It's a monologue, not a conversation, not a dialogue. This podcast is not intended to replace therapy, counseling, or seeing a psychiatrist. All information is researched and opinions are my own. I am a mental health inpatient registered nurse and professional content developer. When someone talks too much, well, it turns dialogues into monologues. There's over-talking at social gatherings, and the over-talking at social gatherings is often due to situational influences, not inherent traits. I'm going to talk about that in this podcast episode. Also, rearranging participants, focusing on themes rather than personal anecdotes, and maintaining equal status encourage conversational balance. And uh, also, we're going to talk about inappropriate reinforcement uh, can inadvertently encourage over-talking, while appropriate reinforcement can bring about equitable participation. We've all been at social gatherings where someone commands the conversation time. We can manage this intermittently, but if that person consistently dominates, the gatherings can become unpleasant. Occasions that would otherwise be supportive and fun turn into something to be avoided. We all avoid unpleasant situations. So, Reasons for over-talking can be primarily intrinsic. Some people are naturally talkative, devotedly self-absorbed, or oblivious to the imbalance between talking and listening. But other reasons are primarily situational and can be identified and also managed. After listening for a while, we can diagnose the situational reasons for over-talking and try to create more balance. Now, when I say diagnose, I don't mean in a medical sense. So here are seven strategies for moving toward a just a more satisfying and interactive flow of conversation. First, you want to do some restructuring of the social environment. The structure of a group can strongly influence participation. Groups of more than six people, listen close, groups of more than six people often don't allow some people to contribute, at least not for very long. Breaking a larger group into several smaller conversations of two, three, and four works better for what I call equitable engagement. So we can reposition ourselves and, and actually start our own conversation with a smaller subset of people, preferably 
facing people rather than sitting side by side. There's no obligation to stay in a large group. If the group does remain large, it's crucial not to have a leader. Social gatherings are not meetings or classes. We can courteously leave the larger group and take a break if necessary. In conversation, most of us have theme detectors. We identify themes and respond to them, sometimes with an associated event or a personal story that addresses the theme. The theme might be travel, which certainly involves narrating our own experiences, but these narrations can be brief and responsive to the group's interests. If someone says, I just got back from London, one natural response is to ask questions about the trip. Overtalkers, however, might seize the opportunity to describe their own trips to London at length. Instead of theme detectors, they have me detectors. In this situation, it's best to wait for a pause and get back to the person who first made the announcement about London. In conversation, we follow the given new contract, which is taking an idea that was just stated and providing new information on top of it. Overtalkers often use the briefest of given information as a springboard for an abundance of self-oriented new information. One possible reason for verbal excess is that people perceive themselves as having higher status than others in the group due to more expertise or more uniquely distinctive experiences in general. Of course, when people talk about themselves, they actually are experts. I'm an expert in myself. You're an expert in yourself. For that reason, overtalkers keep the focus on their activities. So they're maintaining their expertise. This dynamic with self-perceived status can be disrupted by appropriately shifting subjects or emphasizing our lives eventfulness. The primary problem may not be the amount of time spent talking. It could be saying too much about one thing. Linguists distinguish between deep structure, the ideas to be expressed, and surface structure, the actual words expressing those ideas. So let me repeat this. Linguists distinguish between deep structure, the ideas to be expressed, and surface structure, the actual words expressing those ideas. So if someone's surface structure is abundant while their deep structure is minimal, the unnecessary repetition makes people sound more long-winded than they actually are. While conversing, we normally oscillate between 
too much information and not enough. Trying to find the sweet spot of just enough. Too much information and listeners become bored. Not enough and they're confused. Consistently wordy people are not attending to the expectations of their audience and they supply way too much information. We can enliven the interaction by politely affirming what we already know and then adding to the conversation from our own experience. So sometimes we allow or even encourage people to monopolize conversations by reinforcing their talkativeness, nodding in agreement, or even shaking our heads in disagreement can encourage the speaker. Impatient sighs, looking at our phone and glancing away may actually invite more talking. I'll say it again. Impatient sighs, looking at our phone and glancing away may actually invite more talking. The same goes with interrupting, which can ratchet up the tension and create a a conversational competition. Paradoxically, we should temporarily reduce our output, assuming a, a neutral expression and saying nothing. This is straightforward reinforcement theory breaking the connection between a behavior and the particular social situation. In this case, avoiding the reinforcement of lengthy expressions. On the flip side, we should also pay attention to desirable behavior, providing reinforcement when the talkative person is judicious and concise. If we're up to it, directness can work. We tell the person about our difficulty with overtalking by focusing on how it affects us. By how it affects us. Placing boundaries on the other person's excessive output rather than criticizing it. We might ask, can we have equal time? When we are direct with talkative people, we should show we heard what they said, but then follow the given new contract and add something of our own, modeling conversational rhythm. They may interrupt, but then we can be diplomatically assertive and say we would like to finish what we were saying. So again, uh, we might ask, can we have equal time? You've created a new contract as something of your own. Uh, modeling the conversational rhythm, and they may interrupt, but then we can be diplomatically assertive and say we would like to finish what we were saying. Sometimes I need to remind myself that being direct is not the same as being blunt. When someone verbally dominates a group interaction, the social scientist in me is tempted to use my stopwatch app to time the talkative person and then make an announcement. In the last hour, you've spoken 42 minutes, while the rest of us divided 18 minutes between us. In fact, 
uh, Eva and John didn't speak at all, but I don't do that. I'm not a social scientist at a gathering, just as the verbally dominating person is not a guest lecturer. Reasons for talkativeness can be practical and reasonable. People who spend their days in front of a screen or with young children will crave adult listeners. In this case, it's helpful to let the person decompress and adjust to the adult social environment. After listening for a while, we may want to comment sympathetically about the stresses of their day and then gracefully introduce new topics. Talking too much is fundamentally an imbalance between talking and listening. We don't want to shut down the talkative person. We want to restore the balance. Again, we don't want to shut down the talkative person. We want to restore the balance. Ultimately, if the person is not reading our frustration or doesn't acknowledge it, we should ask ourselves if the interaction is worth the continuing frustration. Now, here is some more ideas um, to consider. Some people talk a lot because they're egotistical, but others are overwhelmed by their own feelings and push them away by talking. To quiet a nonstop talker, figure out what they are trying to communicate and restate it in your own words. Then when someone won't stop talking, it's acceptable to hold one's boundaries and exit the conversation. One day recently... Uh, this is a hypothetical or not a real situation. Okay, so one day recently, Jean, a, a young professional woman, started her session, let's say, with me by ranting about one of her coworkers. Uh, the man does not stop talking, she said. Today he asked me how my weekend went, and before I could utter a word, he started telling me about everything he had done. We all know someone like this man, people who talk without listening, who seem to think that what they have to say is as fascinating to everyone else as it is to them, and who don't seem to understand that listening is an important part of communicating and connecting to others. What makes these people tick? What can we do about them? And maybe more important, what can you do if you happen to be one of them? Talking is part of what we humans do. What differentiates us from animals is the fact that we can listen to other people's dreams, fears, joys, sorrows, desires, and defeats, and they, in turn, can listen to ours. But people who talk too much don't seem to get this balance. Why? A number of uh, of people I know have written about the difficulty some of us have either listening to others 
or to ourselves. Listening requires complex auditory processing, according to Daniel P. Ellis of Columbia University. We develop the capacity to listen automatically, according to Ellis, which is one of the reasons that even a very young child will react differently to the sounds of a robin's song and a police siren. It is also a tool in learning. Maybe this this last part that says the ability to process complex auditory signals is an important factor in our ability to learn. Explains why it seems that so many people who talk at us have difficulty learning how to relate better. This is not to say that all people who talk incessantly are not deeply connected to others, but it does seem to make it difficult for them to recognize different moods and responses in their listeners. In the best of communication, there is a kind of give and take between talking and listening, a sharing of who is the speaker and who is the listener based on mutual respect and caring about each other's feelings. Some people who talk a lot are not able to engage in this interactive rhythm, not because they don't care, but because they can't tolerate the emotions that might emerge as they listen to another person. In fact, in the course of what I've seen, uh, I've found that many nonstop talkers actually use their words to stop themselves from knowing what they are feeling. This is what happened with uh, a person I know, a smart, articulate man with two young children. His wife was threatening to leave him because she said he did not care about or understand her. Uh, This man talked his way through two two interactions with me, almost without taking a breath. Before I was able to interrupt him and ask how he was feeling, his eyes filled with tears and his voice cracked as he replied, I was hoping that I wouldn't ask him that. I don't want to feel how I'm feeling, he said, and I don't want to think about how I'm feeling. I don't want to feel, he told me. So I asked him if he thought that might be part of the problem that had led his wife to ask for a divorce. He nodded and said, I haven't been able to let myself feel anything for a long time. She thinks it's because I don't feel anything. And he said, it's really because I'm in danger of feeling too much. He had hit the nail on the head. Some people talk about themselves because they genuinely think they're more interesting than anyone else they know. But many people, like this gentleman I know, are overwhelmed by their own feelings and push them away by talking. Either way, these monologues are the opposite of the kind of storytelling exchange that should be happening. So what can you do if you're troubled by a coworker, friend, or loved one who talks too much? Here are five simple suggestions that might help. I'm doing this actually in two parts because I want to offer you as much information and um, opinions that I have and maybe tips that you find helpful. So first, listen, but not for too long. 
as you are listening, try to formulate for yourself what this person is trying to communicate. Is it a wish to be admired? A thought that they cannot get out of their head? A feeling that they can't manage? After listening for a little while and formulating what they are trying to communicate, ask them if they would mind terribly if you interrupt them. They might say, no, no, I'm, I'm talking too much. You go ahead. Don't get caught up in denying this truth out of politeness. It will just distract you both. If, if they say, let me just finish this thought, respond gently with something like, oh, I thought you had finished. Can I tell you what I heard you say? Of course, some people will still have to say it their own way. Let them finish since you won't have a choice, but then interrupt them as soon as they start to move to something else. When you interrupt, be ready to say something about what you hear them saying. Don't go for a deep psychological explanation, something simple and to the point, but if possible, something that reflects something positive about them. Don't be surprised if they start to talk over you. Many people talk over everyone else because they are afraid of criticism. Again, say, wait, I'd like to finish my thought now and then say what you were going to say about them. Then don't stop with a comment about them. Add some experience of your own that will confirm that you understand what they're experiencing. A memory of a similar event, a similar feeling, a funny story, anything that gives you a chance to share your own experience, but that you can tie to theirs. And then stop the conversation when it goes on too long. It really, it's... It's just really not damaging to tell someone who you've been listening to for more time than you have to spare and more than you want to give away that you're really sorry, but you have work you have to do and you'll have to continue this conversation later. And if they are the kind of person who comes back later to continue the conversation, just say, no, sorry, I'm busy right now because finally you have the right to protect your own boundaries. So letting you know that names and identifying information have been changed to protect everyone's privacy and confidentiality. So with that said, don't forget, always be kind, never rude, never confrontational, but do take control at some point and be assertive. This is real life. I'm Lisa. Stay well.